I'm your host, Noel, and today we're going to do the same thing we do every week. Let's talk about black vinyl music. And so today, um, I have a very special topic, sort of a storytelling experience, if you will, um, just kind of notating or detailing a little bit about my experience with free jazz and how up to 2015, 2014, I actually had an un unpleasant experience or understanding of the genre. And, um, and I had help from a mentor kind of uh, guide me through how to listen to the beautiful music that is free and experimental jazz. Now, this topic came about uh, thanks in part to me surfing the web and looking at uh, a lot of other music commentaries and other um, colleagues and counterparts talk about music, especially the black my black counterparts who again this is who i'm speaking to this is who i'm talking to in every episode um so i, I did notice that with a lot of these music commentaries and podcasts that not that there was a lack of contextual understanding or not knowledge but just that there was um a little bit of a disregard for it almost as if it's unnecessary and i noticed this a lot with the, the genre of, ja of jazz with a lot of people it has a connotation of being bougie or upscale highbrow boring unimportant just all, all of the all of the negative things you can think of when when thinking about music I can kind of do that I guess with classical music but even with classical music like the Mozarts and the Beethovens and the Bachs and all that stuff I understand that that music made way for, of course, the music that I love, which is jazz. Uh, this They took that music, they took the core of that music, added soul, subtracted all of the all of the academic aspects of music. And there you have jazz or black classical music. Um, and so with that, I think that um, uh, every generation does this all the younger generations do this with the older music uh we we sort of put it in a box we package it um and, and that's exactly what the record spinner podcast is created to kind of dispel this understanding of jazz music as being old or dead or boring or elitist i don't want that in my music because when I tell people I listen to jazz and people who know me, that air of elitism still resonates with so many people. And for those who really know me, know that elitist is the, the furthest thing that I'm from. Um, and, and I've told you guys before about how I grew up in the middle of bumfuck nowhere, Virginia. And, you know, I grew up listening to, you know, also gospel, but mostly funk and soul and hip hop and old R&B and so I, I didn't grow up in a household that respected jazz either however in my journey in my musical journey of, of, of understanding different types of music and understanding the music that I really really liked which was hip-hop and, and rock music I had to give way to appreciate um, some of my favorite musicians of the time when I was coming up and in college 
I had to take some time to actually understand where, where some of their influences came from. And almost always they came from jazz, free jazz to be particular, because free jazz opens the door to essentially all types of experimental music. So we don't give credit for, to experimental and free jazz for doing so, but essentially any contemporary artist you like was in fact influenced by what happened in the 60s and 70s and 80s with the experimental and free stuff. I'm talking about Ornette, Ornette Coleman. I'm talking about Don Cherry. I'm talking about Pharaoh, which we're going to be talking about today. Pharaoh Sanders. I'm talking about Lee Morgan. I'm talking about uh, Albert Eiler. I'm talking about so many jazz musicians who paved the way for all types of experimental music, influencing essentially an entire generation of future musicians and artists. Now I know, I know, I'm not going to convince people who look at jazz a certain way to appreciate jazz if the only way they can appreciate jazz is through hip hop albums by Kendrick Lamar or by Anderson Pack or by J. Cole or you name the current mainstream artists who infuse jazz with their albums, with their music. That's the only way some people are ever going to enjoy instruments or, or older music, quote unquote, jazz music, right? I don't like the connotation of it being old, but I'm not trying to dispel that being the music being old is a, is a thing. The music being old is a good thing. So I don't want to mess with that. If you think that because jazz is old and that's why you shouldn't listen to it, then don't listen to it. <laughs> that's, it's that simple. But I'm talking to those who are on the fence, essentially, with this music, maybe just beginning to start their musical journeys down alternative genres and stuff that their friends may not be so into or whatever. I'm talking to the younger crowd here, right? Those impressionable, those who may be seeking out stuff, but maybe not too sure, right? How do you start? Where do you start listening to free jazz? Which artist? I have a rhino recommendation that I think is a perfect place to start. Um, some vinyl enthusiast or jazz enthusiast may disagree with this, and I welcome that. So if you do have any questions, comments, concerns, I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you think about this topic that I'm going to hop into very shortly here today. You can do that by reaching out to me at the record spinner podcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can go to visit the website at therecordspinner.com social media i am rebirth of the cool and that's on ig and twitter but of course first before we get right into the topic i have some housekeeping things to get in order one of which is the getting technical fact of the week this week it comes courtesy of of course another clip that i will be playing here shortly um and it's by vinyl eyes thanks to vinyl eyes for this very helpful vinyl fact of the week now the tip is how to get a record unstuck from your turntable this sounds very elementary and before you start laughing and, and thinking it's a it's a joke it recently happened to me in a silent way by miles davis um i bought this record uh, a while back and the record from Birdland, it's a reissue, it's 180 grams, all that good stuff. But this reissue has a hole that is a little too tight 
around the spindle. So, of course, when I go to put this record on the spindle on my turntable, I notice that as I have to press down to get it to actually collapse to the bottom of the turntable. Now, as I get it to collapse to the bottom of the turntable, I realize that it's going to be pretty much hell to get this off of the turntable. I have a few records who that are tight around the spindle, but not this tight. I've never seen anything this tight. So as I go to pick it up, I realize that I'm about to crack it right in half, split it right in half. This $50 record, I'm about to split right down the middle. And as a fan of Miles Davis and a fan of not wasting money, I, of course, panic search for a solution. I came across this very helpful video on YouTube by Vinyl Eyes and Jared New, who provides this very helpful tip. I hope they don't mind me using this short little clip here to explain how to fix this problem if it ever happens to you. So take a listen and I'll be right back what to do when your record is stuck to the spindle of your turntable. And this video is gonna be pretty short because honestly, this is a very common problem and its solution is very simple. Now, the reason this is so common is because a lot of vinyl records out there have center holes that are slightly smaller than normal. And from time to time, this causes the record to get stuck to the spindle of your turntable, which is no fun. But thankfully, this situation is very easy to correct. All you have to do is grab it by the edges like that and try to lift the record up while at the same time rocking it back and forth like that okay and if you keep doing this slowly you'll start to see the record rise off the turntable until it's finally free. So overall, this is a very simple method that with some practice, you're gonna be able to do in your sleep. And basically, it's just another one of those little tricks that you pick up when you start collecting vinyl records. Now, have you guys had some of your Very, very helpful tip by Jared New and Vinyl Oz. Shout outs to you guys for providing that very helpful tip. I hope that you guys take this applause and this shout out as payment, and if not, feel free to complain at the record spinner podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> um, this, that method works. It's a very, very helpful method. Uh, and, and I was a little hesitant to try it, but of course, um, once I did get into the rhythm of picking it up by the edges and rocking it back and forth, it came off like magic. So if you ever get a record stuck, don't panic. Just rock it back and forth while pulling up on it, and it's going to come up, like I said, like magic. So again, thank you for that very helpful tip. Every week, I will provide some type of helpful tip about vinyl, records, um, turntables, whatever, um, that can kind of go on to help those who may uh, may haven't had, exp had, had these experiences with the records. I've been collecting records now for the better part of eight years um, and I had never had that happen before. Um, again, I've had some really tight records on the turntable, but they were able to kind of come up when I, you know, put applied a little force to them. So for this particular thing that happened to me for the very first time where I just could not get it off the turntable, it provided a very helpful, helpful solution. So, yeah, I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, I'm going to get into the topic and, of course, 
the vinyl recommendation of the week, which of course ties into the topic of this week. So stay tuned. The vinyl recommendation of this week is brought to you by Pharaoh Sanders. The record is called Black Unity by Pharaoh Sanders. Now, fun fact about Pharaoh, every time I say his name, I always want to say his name is Pharaoh Saunders. I always want to put a U on it for some reason, but it's Pharaoh Sanders, Black Unity. This record was essentially the first record, and this artist, Pharaoh, was the first artist that I actually got into with the free stuff and the spiritual jazz stuff. Even though Sun Ra technically was the first that I was introduced to, and I was actually that was actually palatable to me, um, I give credit to Pharaoh for actually having me understand uh, free jazz and the and the inspiration and motivation behind spiritual and and, and experimental jazz. I think nobody does it better than Pharaoh. You can ask around the vinyl community and the and the jazz community, and if you say his name, automatically you will get the attention that you're seeking. Um, he is a living legend, a living relic, and I, I'm so appreciative of all of his music. Um, Thimby is one of my all-time classics. Um, Astro Traveling and oh my god Astro Traveling is amazing uh, there's a few other tracks on that record that are absolutely stunning um, and really weird records or really weird songs to kind of wrap your head around and you have to do a little bit of thinking a little bit of soul searching in order to listen to I think Pharaoh Sanders um, some may disagree some may agree whatever but more about the record the record as a whole just consists of one song that's 37 minutes um, and it's entitled Black Unity and it's broken down into part one and part two. So part one being on the A side and part two being on the B side. Literally a single body, single song that moves through so many different movements and flows and melodies and instrumentations that it feels like it's multiple songs, but it's just one song. Just one. This flawless exercise, quote unquote, of black freedom also features some really huge hitters in the jazz genre. Cecil McBee, Norman Connors, just to name a few, Billy Hart. There are a few others who are absolutely amazing on this record. And again, the instrumentation just collides to be one uniform experience. You're not really hearing all of the instruments. Sometimes, sometimes you are just hearing 
music. Sometimes you're hearing chaos. Sometimes you're hearing beauty. Sometimes you're hearing trauma, some drama. You're hearing all types of things when you hear this record. And for a person like me who was not into free jazz at all when they first started, it took a while for me to actually understand the genre as a whole. But records like this actually helped me. And it was with the it was also with the help of a mentor, a record mentor and a spiritual mentor that I was able to actually sit down and think and contemplate about the music I was listening to in the free jazz genre. Who is this mentor? This mentor's name is Rashid. And I met Rashid. Um, he lives he lived in the same building that I lived in back in 2014, 2015. And I thought about Rashid when I when this story hit me uh, and I was listening to this record with my girlfriend after buying it from HR Records recently. I came home and put this on a turntable and we listened to it together and I kept I just kept thinking about Rashid. This 1972 Impulse record made me recall this very important fella who helped me understand this whole genre. So, Rashid was an elder, lived in my apartment building. He used to hang out outside all the time. I used to see him on my way to work. I used to see him on my way back. I used to see him after I went on a date. I used to see him after I was in the crates. I used to see him just all the time, just hanging around. Sometimes he'd be talking to people. Sometimes he was just by himself, just in his own mind, in his own world. Rashid asked me for some money randomly one day, and that ask pretty much started our relationship and so somehow we got to talking about music he gave me a whole list of uh, cats to listen to and at this time in 2014 2015 I'm still relatively new and green behind the ears when it comes to artists I still don't I, I can't claim that I know all of the jazz artists like I think that's a really weird thing to say I, I know that some people are encyclopedias when it comes to jazz but I'm definitely not one of those people. So I'm not coming to you as an expert in this. I'm simply coming to you as I learn with this stuff. And in 2015, I knew even less than I knew today about this music. So yeah, we used to talk sometimes. Um, I remember a few different conversations before we, we got into the next phase of our relationship, which was every day when I would come into the building and he would be sitting there whether he's chilling by himself or talking to some lady friend of his or whatever, um, he would stop me all the time and ask, hey, you got a second? And I would always say, yeah, sure, I got a second. And we would walk up to a studio apartment and uh, his vinyl collection was crazy. Like, I feel like he only collected amazing, rare, spiritual and experimental jazz stuff. So we would go up to his apartment. I would sit down. He would dig through his records, find something that was crazy that I never heard of before. Kind of like Black Unity. He introduced this to me. I, re I remember the day where he played this for me, actually, the first time I heard it in 2015. And I was just blown away. The music, it hit me different. It, it just hit. It, it made sense. It popped. Something popped in me. In 2015 and 2016, when hearing this music while I was sitting with my good friend Rashad, Rashid, sorry, it just made sense. And so, I mean, 
I took this guy's word a lot when it came to finding new jazz musicians to kind of study and be obsessed with. One of the first ones, one of the major ones was Alice Coltrane. But Pharaoh, who were, they're all kind of in a clique together, Pharaoh and John and Alice, they had many, many records together. Of course, Alice and John are no longer with us, but Pharaoh is still here. But yeah, he would pull out some Gary Bartz and some Lonnie Liston Smith and some Alice and some Last Poets. This guy had all of the gems. I don't know how he got him. I don't know what he did for a living before he was an elderly guy who, you know, never left the building. But whatever he did, he it had to be involved in music in some way, shape or form because he just knew a lot about it. He also parted the whole deep listening concept to me back before I even knew that that was a thing. We would just sit in his apartment and listen to music. Now, of course, I had my questions and every so often he would pipe up with some type of, you know, question or uh, or a test of some sort, a quiz of some sort to make sure that I was, you know, actively listening to the music. This sharing of space created an understanding of how to listen to free jazz. He used to say, you listen to it with your heart, not your mind. And this is kind of what I took on when listening to all music, listening to it with your heart and not your mind. Now, deep listening does require you to listen to with your mind, right? And, and that comes later. But to understand, I think, free jazz and some certain elements of other jazz experimental, some elements of cool, some elements of of hard bop, etc. You do have to kind of understand within your soul what's going on with the music, what's taking place with the musicians, what they're trying to convey. I'm not going to get on that again because I've talked about that in the deep listening episode, but I will talk about how important it is to have a mentor to look up to when it comes to understanding different genres. I think this may play a part in why younger audiences, especially younger black audiences, don't take a hold to jazz in the way that they ought to. I mean, you look at jazz and you hear about jazz and usually we hear about it through the lens of some snob or some white guy who, you know, who's telling us all the academic terms and all the all the technical knowledge about full fours and all this stuff that we really don't know and we really don't care about as a young audience. But again, if you have a mentor who's able to part with you some wisdom about how to listen to the music, about how to understand what's going on, what you're hearing, I think that will help you appreciate the genre as a whole. So I do want to know, though, are there any records where you didn't know anything about the genre of jazz or or, or some subgenre, maybe free jazz, maybe spiritual stuff, and you were able to understand or you were able to like or you were able to grow into a certain genre of music based off of this artist? For me, it was Pharaoh. Sun Ra was before that. He was the precursor. He was like the ancestor of that, right? So Sun Ra, I had heard, of course, through Madlib. And so I had understood a little bit of what Sun Ra was trying to do with some of his spacier, weirder, ex more experimental stuff with music. But of course, there were elements that I didn't quite understand. But of course, it was just due to the fact that my favorite hip hop producer had broken down a lot of these 
elements into like digestible bite-sized lessons that I was able to understand Sun Ra in a better way. But in no way, shape, or form was I ready for free jazz in its purest form. I think when thinking about free jazz and spiritual jazz, you sort of need to get into the Don Cherries, the Ornette Coleman's, the Pharaohs. Um, I would say even Albert Eiler. Um, you need to get into some forms of Alice Coltrane and John Coltrane, of course. Um, these guys hold, I think, what is the key to understanding free and experimental jazz. So I want to know who are your key figures? Who are your people who got you into a genre of music that you weren't into before? Um, and how were you introduced to them? For my younger black audience, I do want to stress the importance of finding an older black person who knows a lot about music to learn about music from. Because I joke all the time about how much I learned from cats like Mad Lib and Dilla and all my hip hop uh, artists that I really love and who are really super conscious about the samples they use and such. But a great deal of artists I learned about, I also learned about from Rashid. And one of the things I miss about living in that building is walking through and seeing him every day and him having something for me. So I was really lucky to find a black, older black man who was able to hold my hand, essentially, um, with some of the jazz artists that I wasn't so keen to and help me understand why these artists were important and what they actually did for music and the progression of music. I urge you, I urge you black people to do the same because I get it. Yes, it may not be your cup of tea. It may not be something that you're into naturally, just like free jazz. It wasn't something I was into naturally. I think that's my time. I think that's all I wanted to part with you guys is that, you know, I, I, I get that there is a real sense of elitism with jazz music. And that's unfortunate because that's not what jazz is. Jazz was the first jungle music. It was the first music to be categorized by white people as not real music so we always like to put these labels on these younger generations i've lived through now three or four musical phases where the older artists said that that's not real blank that's not real hip-hop that's not real rock that's not real soul so you go through these phases and you start to see trends this is where it started jazz People complained about free jazz. People complained about cool jazz and hard bop. Down to critiques like it was the devil's music. Onto more polished critiques like, oh, it's just a whole bunch of men playing instruments and not really understanding uh, the depth of their instruments. Not really understanding uh, the importance of scale or the importance of understanding how to read music, etc., etc critiques that you can say were valid sure but at the end of the day these men were creating essentially the latest most advanced form of music and they knew where music was going essentially and so they spearheaded pioneered if you will they created the path and we have to respect that as fans of the music. So yeah, I get it. You're used to hearing about jazz from some guy who writes for NPR 
or some guy who writes for the Post or some guy who writes for the New York Times. And this guy's very dry and he's very elitist and he's talking about this cocktail party he went to and where they played this they played this rendition. Some house band played this rendition of uh, Birth of the Cool. I get it. I totally get it. And some of these records do have an air of sophistication, an air of elitism that I, I don't even want to get into. But jazz at its core, when you get into the heavy artists, when you get into the real artists who made real headway with this stuff, with this music, they represented the full body of the black experience. To me, you're not a real music fan if you can't appreciate all genres. That's real. So ask yourself the question, are you a real music fan or are you a genre fan? Are you a fan of a genre? <laughs> That's been my time, guys. I hope you appreciate the episode. Next episode next week, we will have a special guest. Not saying any names, but I'm excited about this episode. So take care, guys. Please, again, feel free to submit questions, concerns, comments, complaints, whatever, whatever, whatever to the Record Spinner Podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast if you're not already a part of the community. Become a part. Rate this, rate this podcast. Rate this episode if you can. Like this episode if you can. Share this episode if you can. Thank you, guys. See you guys next week. Peace.